This morning's scripture reading is Psalm 139, verses 1 through 18. Adonai, you've searched me and know me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You trace my journeys and my resting places and are acquainted with all of my ways. Indeed, there is not a word on my lips, but you, O God, know it altogether. You press upon me behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too powerful for me. It is so high, I cannot attain it. Where can I go, then, from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I climb up to heaven, you are there. If I make the grave my bed, you are there also. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand will lead me, and your right hand hold me fast. If I say, Surely the darkness will cover me, and the light around me turn to night. Darkness is not dark to you. The night is as bright as the day. Darkness and light to you are both alike. You created my inmost being and stitched me together in my mother's womb. For all these mysteries, I thank you. For the wonder of myself, for the wonder of your works, my soul knows it well. My frame was not hidden from you while I was being made in that secret place, knitted together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my body even there. All of my days were written in your book, all of them planned before even the first of them came to be. How precious your thoughts are to me, Adonai. How impossible to number them. I could no more count them than I could count the sand. But suppose I could. You would still be with me. This is the story of faith and faithful struggle. Thanks be to God. Friends, Psalm 139 is a wonderful song about how well God knows us and loves us. In the first part, the psalmist sings of how well God knows us when we sit, when we rise, our thoughts, our feelings, our whole experience, God knows because God is, is with us. In fact, the psalmist says even if we wanted to try to get away from God, we could not. We, we'd have to even if we tried to go as far up as we could or as far down as we could or, or take the wings of the dawn and, and ride through the sky to that mountaintop way over there, even, even there God would be with us. There's, there's kind of no escape from God's loving presence. What about at night, the psalmist says? Ah, maybe when the sun isn't shining. Ah, but the psalmist says, La noche resplandece como el día para ti. Even the night shines like the sun to you. 
This is a song of celebration of the God that knit us together in our mother's womb like a grandmother, tending each stitch just the way she wanted. Where can I go? Let us be in a spirit of prayer. Gracious and loving God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of each one of our hearts be acceptable to you. And may we, like Samuel, cry out and say, Speak, Lord, for we are listening. Amen. The Hebrew poets made sure to highlight that their God was not so high and mighty like other gods worshipped by their neighbors, that the people could not know God and be known fully and wonderfully. This direct and intimate relationship is demonstrated in this psalm that uses the Hebrew root word yada over and over again, 
pointing to a kind of knowing and a level of certainty, not only of familiarity, but of confidence in that relationship. Made in the image of God, are we willing to take the time to knit and weave and develop those kinds of relationships with one another? Nancy DeClasse Walford writes that Psalm 139 is a hymn of thanksgiving. Its singers praise God for God's goodness in delivering them from various life-threatening situations, such as illness and oppression and enemy attack. The psalmist celebrates the creative goodness of God and concludes with a plea to God to search for any ill feelings toward others. I'm going to continue to draw your attention to our relationships with ourselves today. And God and each, oh, ourselves, God and each other throughout today's sermon. Our video this morning showed sweet relationships between animals, but we know that human relationships can be much more complicated than that. Our psalmist is leading us in prayer to keep us from ill feelings toward others, but also toward ourselves. Too often we are self-critical or critical of each other. It is as if life is an episode of American Idol or Dancing with the Stars where we judge who's best and who gets to go home. But judging is not what we are, as Christians are called to do. In fact, we are admonished against it throughout Scripture. Our way of acting is in response to God's unconditional love of us. God calls us to love one another, to offer grace when there are shortcomings. Many of us are self-critical, too. What the psalmist today is talking about is not what we think about ourselves or what others think of us or how our past has impacted our relationships, but rather about a God who knows us deeply and fully and more objectively than we can even know ourselves. God loves us unconditionally. And judging ourselves against our aspirations or desires will not change that eternal fact. The psalmist addresses God directly, using the personal name of Israel's God, Yahweh. Second-person pronouns occur ten times in the first six verses. You have searched. You know. You discern. In addition, the psalmist refers to self thirteen times. You have searched me and known me. When I sit down and when I rise up, my thoughts, my path, etc. This indicates a real relationship between the I of the psalmist and the you of God. It indicates a comforting intimacy about the one who knows us and who we yearn to know and understand. With this abundance of first and second person pronouns in the first six verses, Psalm 139 reflects the profound relationship of the I and you in ancient Israel. Walter Brueggemann describes this relationship by saying, the Psalms are prayers addressed to a known, named, identifiable you. Identity is the core of our faith work. Who are we? Why are we here? These questions are ones that we ask repeatedly throughout our faith journey, directly or indirectly. When we recognize ourselves as the beloved of the Creator God who knows our innermost selves, 
we begin to glimpse those answers. But first we need to know more about the Creator, the one who loves us, the one who loves us. In a book titled Tales of the Hasidim, Martin Buber, an early 20th century Jewish philosopher, offered these words concerning the relationship between God and humankind. Where I wander, you. Where I ponder, you. Only you, you again, always you. You, you, you. When I am gladdened, you. When I am saddened, you. Only you, you again, always you, 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 you. Sky is you, earth is you, you above, you below, in every trend, at every end, only you, you again, always you, 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 you. It's quite a way to portray the ever-presence of divine love in our lives, isn't it? It certainly is comforting when you need someone to rely on, to know that God is all around. But the title of today's sermon is, Where Can I Go?, Referring to the line, where can I go then from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I climb up to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in the grave, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand will lead me and your right hand will hold me fast. Why would we want to get away from love? The one who created us and sustains us and most of all forgives our shortcomings. I'm sure you remember being a teenager or have had a teenager in your life, or even a toddler, that pulls away, that wants to be independent. It sounds rather like Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, doesn't it? Me do it. <laughs> when we seek power apart from God, or more specifically, when we pursue agendas that do not demonstrate love for all creation, we are wandering away. And we really don't want to be found out for our poor behavior our failure to love as we have been loved. The close relationship between the psalmist and God is not only emphasized in the language of I and thou in the psalm, but also the repetition of the verbal root yada to know. This occurs seven times, and it's a rich word in biblical Hebrew, covering a whole range of meanings from simple recognition to intimate sexual relationships. In Genesis 4, we read that Adam knew yada, his wife, Eve, and she conceived and bore Cain. Elsewhere, God tells the people they will know, yada, that I am the Lord. And Job asks, see, we have searched this out, it is true. Hear and know it for yourself, yada. Who really knows you? Your parents? Your spouse? Your kids? Your friends? Your co-workers? you likely exhibit different characteristics around each of those people. Not because you're being false or phony, but because different parts of you are required for different situations, such as mothering comfort or business acumen. Those sides exist beside one another within us, but are not necessary for every situation. The only one who truly understands what you're going through besides you is the one who knows your innermost self. Some form of this word yada, or no, occurs 60 times in the Psalms alone, emphasizing that the concept of knowledge is a critical element of meaningful relationship. We are to know God just as God knows us. 
As the psalmist says, it was you who formed my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Do you know God? Is that why you're a person of faith? Because you do or because you want to? What does it take to know God? It takes a desire to do so, certainly. We often practice spiritual disciplines as a way to get closer to God, just like you might set time aside to call your out-of-town family each week or have a date night with your spouse. It's imperative to spend time in prayer and praise and study to get to know the divine, to develop an intimate relationship with God. Another word today in the text is fearfully, and it's derived from the verbal root yara, Unfortunately, in today's culture, the idea of fear is usually connected with the basic human instincts to run or defend or retaliate. Yet yara encompasses a larger meaning of awe and reverent respect and honor. It appears in the Hebrew Bible as a synonym for love, meaning to cling to and to serve. At its root, the word denotes obedience to the divine will reverently. To fear God is to be reverent to God. So we're being reminded not to be afraid of God or that God will judge or punish, but rather revere the God who cares so deeply, so fully, even knowing our faults and our foibles, fully forgiving us minute by minute, and hour by hour. As we continue our exploration of the Hebrew words in this psalm and their meanings, we see that wonderfully comes from the verbal root pala, which means to be different, striking, or remarkable, outside of the power of human comprehension. The word is used repeatedly in the psalms to describe the acts of God on the behalf of the humanity. Sometimes we use words so much that they begin to lose their meaning. We have to take a step back to the meaning of the word to reinforce our understanding of it. Wonderful is a word I use several times a day, and I cherish the idea that we are wonderfully made. Those of you who were part of Wesley back in the early 2000s may remember our evening contemporary service called Rejuvenation. This Psalm 139 was our scripture for one of those services, and Sylvia's daughter, Sylvia's daughter, where's Sylvia? There she is. <laughs> Sylvia's daughter, Karen, was dancing to this song called, San, called Masterpiece by Sandy Patty, in which this scripture was read during the instrumental prelude, and then the lyrics talk about the wondrous nature of a child's life unfolding. Here's some of the lyrics. Before you had a name, or opened up your eyes, or anyone could recognize your face. You were being formed so delicate inside, secluded in God's safe and hidden place. With your little tiny hands, and little tiny feet, and little eyes that shimmer like a pearl. God breathed in you a song, and to make it all complete, God brought a masterpiece into the world. You are a masterpiece, a new creation God has formed, and you're as soft and fresh as a snowy winter morn. And I'm so glad that God has given you to me. 
little lamb of God. You are a masterpiece. As Karen danced with her long flowing skirt, she gradually opened it in a beautiful flourish, revealing her young son, Ian. I'm getting chills just telling you about it. Probably, he was probably two at the time, 18 months or two. And it was a breathtaking representation of God's creation and care. Continuing our study of the words in today's psalm, the reference in verse 15 to being shaped in the lowest parts of the earth echoes the creation story in Genesis 2 where we read, Then the Lord God formed the human Adam from the dust of the ground, Adama. The word translated as unformed substance in verse 16a is the Hebrew word gomli, which is found only here within the Bible. In Babylonian Aramaic, the word is used to designate a formless mass or an incomplete vessel. The Syriac word gomla means uncultivated soil. So to translate the word as embryo, as some have, is over-specific and misleading and cannot be used to solve difficult questions like when does life begin. The whole of Psalm 139 is about the sacredness of life, the sacredness of your life. No matter what you faced, no matter how hard things get, the phrases that seem to say God predestines our days would also be more accurately translated as upon your scroll all of them were written, the days that were meant to be when they hadn't even been thought of yet. Not that God knows each and everything that will befall us during this frail life, but that God cherishes our days and walks beside us in them. Finally, the psalmist marvels at the thoughts, the rea of God, using the same word in verse 2b, where the psalmist says to God, you discern, rea, you discern my thoughts from far off. God knows humanity inside and out and therefore discerns our every act and thought. God's discernment and insight into the thoughts of humanity are at the same kind disconcerting and comforting. Disconcerting to think that someone knows what we're thinking even when it's not great and comforting to know that someone loves us anyway. Each of us was formed and framed by God God's eyes beheld our unformed substance. Each of us was reverently, wondrously, strikingly, remarkably differently made in ways that are beyond human explanation. You too are a masterpiece. God is holding your life. This week, I want you to consider, truly give some deep thought to the fact that you are made in the image of God and think about what you are willing to do to take some time to knit and weave your relationships with God, yourself, and others. Thanks be to God for this indescribable gift. Amen. <laughs>